Well, hello there, and welcome back to The, the Yamcast. Yamcast. My name is Erica. And I'm Chris. And what we like to do on this podcast is we like to help young adults navigate life. We were once young adults, and we feel like we have some knowledge to give in that realm. So we like to do that through the Bible, because that is the best yeah. way to direct anyone. So It's a good place to go. It is. Yeah, that just struck me so funny that we used to be young adults. That's so good. <laughs> so if you want to reach us and talk about our fun, witty ways, we would love to chat with you. Uh, the Yamcast on a couple of the social medias or yamcastpod at gmail.com. All right. So uh, this week's episode is a thing. It is, yep. Probably the opening of a multi-parter. Yeah, it's going to have to be. It also, I had this thought as I was driving in this morning and, and praying through some of the things that I want to say and some of the things that I think we're going to end up talking about mm -hmm. either this episode or the episodes that are subsequent we'll to this, this particular topic that this might become like one of those episodes that is the most listened to episode side kind of thing, because I don't know that people have real talk about this in the way that we might have it. Yeah. Which could be cool. Also could be a little scary. Yeah. And then I thought this might also be the type of topic that gives us the worst possible feedback we're ever going to get. <laughs> it could be. On either side of yeah. this discussion. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, do you want to... Yeah, I mean, I can give a little... Frame it up for yeah. us. Yeah. So, this this episode is going to be, yeah, part one on just discussing women in ministry, in the church, whatever that might look like. Right. This has always been... Um, Something on my heart. Why would that be, Erica? Why would I why mean, would women in ministry be that I am a heart? woman <laughs> and that I enjoy ministry, right? Yeah. Um, and all women are meant to be in ministry, and ministry doesn't mean necessarily paid by the church or those sorts of things. It just means doing work for for God, sure. right? So, um, so we're going to kind of talk about some of those things. I have always I have struggled with with women in the church and how either they're viewed or not viewed correctly sure. or, you know, like, I mean, Chris and I have had numerous conversations. Um, I mean, when I did my, my master's, I ended up doing a paper on women in ministry. And so um, it's definitely been something that the Lord has transformed in some ways. It's still something I struggle with. And I think it might be something that um, I always have to go back to scripture Sure. To kind of validate, because sometimes culture can come in, and we'll talk a little bit about that too. But, right. um, but no, I think the Lord has transformed it to be what it's meant to be, what He wants it to be. I guess if that makes sense, rather sure. than what I would like it to be, if that makes sense. But, and I think that that honestly is how everything should be. Yeah. In the first place, you know, what I'm saying like I have a, you know, in my flesh, there are things that I want mm -hmm. or desire that I'm never going to get. And I'd rather do things God's way than my way because it ends up being better in the end than the way it is. And usually the way we want it is, is more for selfish reasons usually. rather than for kingdom reasons anyways. Yeah. So it's better that it's transformed to be what he would want um, than what I would want. So, sure. Yeah. So here's how I would frame our first episode here in a, in a tough topic to start with. I, I would like to frame it this way and then have you interact with this piece of frame, so to speak. If, if I don't even know if I'm using this illustration well. But when there are problems in culture, and you and I having grown up in America, 
we both spent. America's perfect, right? Yeah. (laughs) I think we've made that quite clear on the podcast that one, we don't think America's perfect. And two, there are significant women in the scriptures throughout. I mean, I'm I'm thinking back on some of our judges' conversations. Mm -hmm. Like, we really need to think maybe there's more going on in the Bible than people are willing to give credit for. But, But back to this frame. When... We have grown up in America. There is a certain culture that every nation creates. Sometimes it's, you know, mindful. Like, for example, freedom attached mm, to America. Oh yeah. You know, there were a lot of big discussions happening in the late 1700s, early 1800s around the idea of what freedom looked like. That America became the, the beacon of what freedom could look like, even though America had major freedom issues within its own borders. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Like we could, we could like say, yeah, we're, we're the source of freedom and yet are subjugating entire races of people who are not white. Yeah. And we even write it into the constitution that they don't have as big a vote or as much of a say as, and you're like, they're not a full person. Wait, what? Yeah. Like that doesn't make any sense. And so then some people might say, well, yeah, America is freedom. And at the same time, America is Christian. And then you immediately attach all of those ugly things of the culture together. And you're like, Wait, so Christians are racist and they go together. And yeah. Christians don't really understand what freedom is. And even those things are all broken up. But our culture, it is it's it's a thing. And our so our nation set out to create some culture intentionally. Other things happen unintentionally. You know what I'm saying? Like there are things that happen in a culture where everybody's like, This is great, we should all do this, like playing video games, for example. Like, this is so much fun. And then years later you're like, Oh, people are addicted to these, or kids don't like real mm-hmm. reality, or kids are struggling with their own identity because they're not as awesome as they are in their video game, or they've got an avatar that they love, but they don't love themselves. And you're like, that Wait was a an, second. That was an unintended yeah. consequence to the culture that we've created. You know what I'm saying? And and as a church, we we look at culture. We I th- I think we we're supposed to be you know, the bards of the culture. We're supposed to be saying that this is what's happening out there and then this is what needs to be addressed. And when it when a culture has problems, like American culture, those things, the church takes it upon itself to address those issues. And there's no problem with that, mm-hmm. right? We would agree on that. Then at the same time, so you've got American culture constantly being called out by the church because it has issues. Yeah. On the flip side, the church at times has issues that need to be addressed and sometimes American culture speaks into those issues mm. and tries to tell the church, this is what we should do. And the truth is, there are issues happening because we are human beings trying to build something. And at all times, that thing has issues and potential to be really damaging to people. And we need to address those issues on either side. Then at sometimes those problems are directly related. Mm. So where I would like to start this conversation is, some of what we consider cultural norms are because the religious individuals who left other countries had very strong cultural norms in their own family with how things were supposed to go, and they brought that to America, and that became the American norm. So like in the 1950s, when you're watching a sitcom, Hmm. husbands and wives are always together. They've got a morality to them. You know what I'm saying? And there's this element of just... Well, this is the way it is, gee golly, you know, like yeah. that's that's it. And then a little bit later, our culture realized most lives don't look like that. Yeah. So maybe we need to shift television to look more like the people that we're talking to. And then like people real. and then people yeah. bemoan the fact that the culture doesn't look like what we want it to and then we're like, "Oh, this is terrible and we, you know, we've blown this whole thing up." And in the middle of all of that, people are like, "Well, 
where do we get the idea that a, a husband and wife are supposed to be together without divorcing? Where do we get the idea that children are supposed to be well behaved? And like, and a lot of that is is biblical, but it's a it's a derivative or it's a it's an offshoot or an offspring of what the ideal would be in God's eyes. And then we brought that into the culture, and then the culture sort of took it and ran with it, and it sometimes got out of hand with where the church was going. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah. So when that when that all comes up, then we need to stop and go, how much have we as the church caused this cultural problem to actually happen? And what was that intended and what was unintended in that? And then we need to step back and just go, okay, what does it look like? And, and where I want to bring that whole thing into this is when we're talking about women in the church, some of this is American culture. And in fairness, some of that American culture is from certain religious groups who said this is the way we want it to be, and they held it, and we got it all jumbled and messed up. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so now here we are in today's world going, well, this is what the Bible says, and we need to back up a little bit and go, well, what does the Bible really say? And that's where I kind of would like to start the conversation. So as I said in the very beginning when we were doing our intro, like the best way to get guidance, direction, whatever that might be with whatever area. So right now we're talking about kind of like culture and women and, and ministry is to really go to the Bible. That's like our best our best foundation, right? It's a very good place to start. Yes. Um, and so with us trying to figure out where we're going and, and where women in ministry fits and if culture is right, if culture is wrong, if church is right, if church is wrong, is to go to the Bible. So where do we see women in ministry within the Bible? Where do we see them rise up or where do we see them have a significant role? I would ask the question, where don't we? Mm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <clears throat> I mean, if you, you go back to the very beginning of the story, there are significant women throughout the whole story. And we've talked about this before as we went through Judges, mm-hmm. right, Ruth. You think of Deborah. Mm-hmm. She's a prophetess. She's clearly in touch with the Lord, listening to what he is saying. Like, that's great. Uh, Tamar, you know, a, a bit of a scandalous story but she's still actually obeying Torah closer than Judah is, mm-hmm. even though she does it in kind of a shady way, and I'm not advocating no. for what she does, but she understands that what God is wanting to do is create offspring through Abraham's line, and she's been gypped by two sons, and now the third one isn't being given to her in marriage, so she takes matters into her own hands. Ironically, that is a ministry moment because she is the one that actually keeps and is, the messianic line alive. And it's kind of snapping Judah out of cuz it's it's almost a side um a side story of the bigger Joseph sure. story, right? And sure. and if you watch Judah throughout the Joseph story, he's not great. Right. He's the one that wants the money. Sure. He's the one, you know. And I think but then after the Tamar, he's different. Right. He is the one that is protective of Benjamin. He is the one that, you know, so she almost like snaps him back into not, very, not making him a better person, but like I wonder if that's why that story is there. It's very you know? possible, and, and, th- and those are the things. So the next thing I was going to say, which is so great and fits right into this, we could go through the list of all the women in the Bible that appear, and there are more than you think there are, first of all. Second of all, it's also not the point of the Bible is to tell us the story so that we are able to pick up the key details, it does not put in all of the amazing women who are raising 
amazing children or all of the women who step up and do something phenomenal that we don't ever hear about. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we don't have anything about Noah's son's wives. We know nothing about any of the women in the, the genealogy. And, and part of coming back to that culture thing, part of that is because the Bible is written in a patriarchal culture, mm-hmm. which never would have had women in the genealogies whatsoever. So you could throw shade at the Bible and be like, well, the Bible's fitting with this patriarchal. Mm-hmm. Or another way to look at it is when the Bible is being is written and constructed, it's speaking into a culture that already has certain standards. And in some ways, the Bible enters that culture and then speaks to it and then pushes it in another direction. So ironically, you know, this doesn't really answer the women in ministry thing, but when you look at Torah and look at how women are supposed to be treated in Torah, some have said, well, they're being subjugated. No, no, no. Compared to the rest of the world, it is light years ahead of where women are. You know, women are allowed to buy and sell property. That's not normal in the ancient world. Women are able to acquire things through inheritance. That wasn't allowed. If you were unmarried, you just kind of floated and the rest of the, you know, an uncle would grab the property and take it. That wasn't allowed in Israel. You know, if you were taken captive after a war, which that sounds terrible, but some, you know, like if if your entire family has been wiped out because of a battle and and the army moves in and takes you and says, you know, I want to protect you. We call that, you know, they call that a slave. But a lot of times if you read in the Torah, it's saying you're not going to treat them this way. This is how you're going to treat your slaves and you're going to treat them as they're humans. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, you're going to marry them. You're not just going to use them as concubines. And if you marry them, you've got to have a certain standard. And on top of that, even if you decide not to stay married to them, the certificate of divorce gives them rights that the rest of the world didn't give. And so I know that we look back on it and we go, this is so barbaric and so ridiculous. But I mean, I can't say this enough. In the ancient Near East, the Bible was a big move forward as far as how women were supposed to be treated and and dealt with. So then when you move further in the Bible, you've got a ton of individuals and, and you've got a bunch of them written down here that are hugely important, especially in the New Testament, as the church is spreading and doing its thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> when we get into the New Testament, like Priscilla and Aquila, she is always mentioned first, which would would at least to me show that she is doing more than he is, or she is sure. the you know person. She's in the one charge. that pulls Apollos aside and teaches him how to teach the gospel, which is crazy to think about. You know, you know, I mean, like, if you think about that's that, very t- different at that time, too. Like, that's not totally. And for him to be OK with receiving that from a woman, too, is a huge deal, because I know that it, that might not have been the case with, you know, different men. Right. I think if we really comb the Bible, it's a little less sexist than we think it is. And when I say a little, I mean a lot. We just look at it from our cultural lens, which is yeah, And we think then that, as you said, that it looks like they're subjugated. But when you look at it from their cultural lens, yeah, it's really not. Oh, totally. Totally. I mean, if you read Paul's passages on the household order and it says men do this and women do this. And, and this is part of why I want to have this, this opening conversation of this podcast. Idiots like me in high school read the passage and say, women, you know, wives submit to your husbands. And we say stupid comments to females like, you got to do what I say. Yeah. Listen to what I say. And we totally neglect the earlier paragraph, 
which kicks us in which the is a lot longer and tells us what we're supposed to be doing. And we're talking about the As Ephesians. Yeah. That's the Ephesians passage. You know, the Colossians when we did work through, uh, you know, a few months ago. Every one of those passages is both raising women up to a level that the rest of the world wouldn't have treated them, and at the same time also reminding men that there is a struggle in marriage that you've mentioned a number of times, and I've you know mentioned a number of times on this podcast. Like our relationships with our spouses is fantastic, and also a lot of hard work. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're dealing with two people who have totally different expectations and everything on life, asking them to be united in covenant. And part of that is this beautiful picture of then what God is doing with us who are totally messed up and this beautiful marriage image there. But what Paul's saying is, you know, back to this point in in Colossians and Ephesians specifically, he's saying, this is how I want you to act and be. And it's different than the rest of the world. At the same time, you're elevating your wife to a status that the rest of the world doesn't give her. And wives, at the same time, you got to understand that there is a struggle going on where you feel like you're not being honored well and you've got to love your husband despite that. And the hope would be that husbands step up and, and live out the love that is being talked about there. And at the same time, wives would understand it doesn't help matters when you totally throw your husband under the bus. Mm-hmm. And there has been a ton of really beautiful things about about that over the, the centuries. And in, in a really good Christian home, which we've both been a, not only a part of, but now we have, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the homes that we've created and the the when people come over, they see a loving, caring relationship of two humble people who love each other and love God so much that they're willing to put each other first no matter what that looks like, you know? Mm-hmm. That's not normal, but that's what the Bible's calling us toward. And unfortunately, some in certain arguments have, have taken that in and thrown it a different direction. So we've got Priscilla and Aquila. That's huge. Who You know, we've got a ton of women in, working in the church, and just in general, Yes, right? they have a lot of home churches. Right. Mm-hmm. So as we mentioned in Philippians and elsewhere, you've got individuals who are not just like at a home church. They are hosting the home church. Mm-hmm. So they they have ridiculous wealth of some sort that has a house big enough, whether they've inherited it or they've done it on their own. You know, we've got fine, Lydia's a fine dealer of purple linens, yeah. you know, like, so She's she's very, very wealthy, and she's got a church in her home. We've got the end of Philippians. We've got a number of places in Romans where it's mentioned that this weren't, this woman is hosting a church in her home. Uh, that suggests that these people are are significant members of, of the church. And not, not just that, but we've got the Luke 8 passage that I don't know if we've talked about on the podcast yet. But the very first few verses of Luke 8, it says these women have been financing the ministry of Jesus and the disciples. And I love that Luke makes sure that's in there. But then I read that with people, and they go, I've never seen that. Why Why have you never seen it? It's Because I know I hadn't until, I don't remember when we were probably talking about this, at, or maybe it was in a sermon or something. But, yeah, you just kind of gloss over that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why we do, but we do. Right. And then when somebody brings it up, you're like, oh, women did have it. Because, I mean, you don't see it a ton, but, yeah, there is – it's there. You just have to find it. It's all right? over the place. You know, in the end of Romans, Romans 16, there's a huge debate. There's at least three names that throughout history have been classified as masculine, and they've even ch- potentially changed the mm-hmm. names a little bit to have more of a masculine name to it. Uh, and, and I'm not going to – the podcast won't do it justice, so I'm not going to get into, like, super detail here. But just, just to say – those names in, in the masculine form don't exist in the ancient world. 
But if you drop the the one letter off that makes it a masculine form and it's a feminine form, it's a very common name in the feminine, you know, form. And so there's so many books written, especially in the last 50, you know, 200 years where we're, we're finding more and more scrolls and now it is feminine in some places and masculine in later mm. scrolls. And so then you're like, okay, there's cl- something there. Clearly what happened here is either a scribe and I'm not even saying that it was like, you know, some would say that's the subjugation of women in the, you know, the, the, the scribal, you know, okay, chill a little bit. Scribes are human beings. Yeah. And if they fall asleep, and their pen makes a what looks like an N that can change a word from being a female word to a male word. And if one scribe makes a mistake, it it affects the rest of the that school. Effect, yeah. Right. So, you know, I'm not saying that we shouldn't trust the Bible. We absolutely, we, we not only should, but we can. I can show you if we wanted to get into the Greek and Hebrew, not in this podcast, because, again, that doesn't, you know, these are visual things. You can't do yes, this on a yeah. podcast. But if we want to get into it, I, I mean, there's a lot of places where you can say, yeah, this is a minor mistake. It doesn't change the story at all. But when you look at Romans, there's a couple of those names that almost everybody today agrees these are these are women, mm. one of which is a deacon. So then you start asking the question, what does that mean? And how much of a role did these women p- play? Which a lot of the discussion today also renders itself because of the culture at, in the first century, women did not learn. They did not know how to mm. read. They did not know how to write. So it's quite possible, and this is the case that what we would call the egalitarian argument in Scripture, uh, sorry, not in Scripture, but in, in the women in ministry concept, we call it egalitarian because they're, that the word there is equality, basically. Egalitarian just basically means everyone's equal. equal. Mm-hmm. And the idea that they're, they're pointing out, and, and there's a really good case to be made for it, is that in the ancient culture, women didn't even have access to what women have access to today. You know, if you said oh, today yeah. women aren't learning how to read and write, that's a civil that's a civil rights violation, mm-hmm. and, and it should be dealt with. You know what I'm saying? But the world that we live in today, I mean, you know, when I was in class, quite a few of the, you know, it was me and four other girls at the top of the class as far as, you know, uh, GPA goes. So mm-hmm. I was lucky to beat them out and get valedictorian, but... You know, they are all, you know, yelling at me the whole time and, telling, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, offering me opportunities to fail at a test right before I walked <laughs> in, on. trying to get in my, you know, trying Let to get in my head because they knew that even you know, just a tenth of a point would give them the lead. And um, I, I have utmost respect for those women. And then, you know, if I said, you know, you're not allowed to read and write, that would have been just absurd. And so we live in a culture that's totally different than the first century. So we have to at least weigh that a little bit and go, OK, what does that mean? us today if women couldn't read or write that might give let you know lend some credence to when it says when paul says women should remain silent in church some have made a really good case that that might have more to do with both the fact that that's in corinth which has a pretty major problem with women in general Mm -hmm. where women are being worshipped more than they're actually you know Mm. being handled as human beings um even the acts of worship were really subjugating women and so if if women feel I don't know how to say this, mightier or more powerful, mm-hmm. even than human, then maybe they're trying to push the theology in a direction. Or secondarily, Paul might be saying, if you can't read or write, maybe you don't have a real opinion on how this sermon should be preached. Uh, that's a different thing than today, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you've, you've had some education. You're not just a... A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Erica's not only learned how to read or write, she's gotten a master's degree. That would have mm-hmm. been just insane back in the day. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So, okay, so back to the culture thing. 
and I, part of me, I know that I'm dominating part of this. Part of me feels like I, I need to dominate at least the opening discussion in some sense because I am a male and I feel like a great apology needs to be mm. given. And I sit in, you know, I'm, I'm not only just a male, I'm a white middle-class male. You're which, all the top of the, yeah, if we're, of the things. If we're looking for people who don't get benefits to go to school, I'm one of them. At the flip side, if, if anyone, you know, living in the culture that, that America has provided if anyone has been given an upper hand, mm-hmm. it's a guy like me. We as the church at times have bought into elements of ideology that have missed the mark. And some of that is because we are we are taking our cultural norms and making them derivatives. So what I mean by that is... Uh, you know, for example, you read Proverbs 31. Mm-hmm. It's about this amazing woman mm-hmm. who's rocking it. And if we read Proverbs 31 in its entirety, we see that this woman is special in a thousand ways, and she's not Susie Homemaker. At the same time, there are a couple of verses where she is Susie Homemaker. Mm-hmm. And if we just focus on those two verses, then that's the culture that we're aiming for. And unfortunately, this is where I'm kind of apologizing. The church has at times read the parts of the Bible that it wants to read and left the rest out. And, and some of that's intentional. Some of it's not. Just just to be really honest, some of it's not intentional because I also have an amazing mom who wanted nothing more than to take care of her kids, whether that was cultural or whether that was biblical. I don't, I don't even know if she knew. She just, you know what I'm saying? Like I don't know if my mom ever sat down at the kitchen table on a Saturday afternoon and thought, why do I cook so much? You know, why do I take care of? This why am house? I? T- it, it was it, to her. It was just innate. It's just who she is. She, I, I don't think she would ever say, "Well, yeah," because I know she didn't read the Bible a ton. She didn't necessarily buy into the whole church thing all the time. And I mean, I I came to faith before she did in some ways. Do you think part of that was though that she had to? But that's what I'm saying. Like, like I don't out of necessity. I very possibly you know, yeah. Because I, I mean I don't. I don't know how your father was before <laughs> you guys, before they got divorced, but no. like she had to pick up the slack, I imagine, often, you know? And so it was almost like this, I have to, because he's not going to. Sure. So if I don't, sure. then it's definitely going to fall. And then she was by herself for a little while. Sure. Well, and, you even, know? and, and so, even some of that, I don't even know if my dad thought through Oh yeah. what no. he was doing or why he was doing it. Now, some of those things are cultural, and and back to the beginning of the podcast, some of those cultural things have a, a root in biblical truth. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a yeah, there's, there's a little some truth to it. Yeah, there's a little something there that out. you go, oh man, this is what the the Christian home could look like and feel like, and that became the norm in America. And part of that is religious. You know what I'm saying? Like the the Puritans moved here. The the, the pilgrims came yeah. over. Oh, yeah. There was a certain set standard, and they might have said, "This is biblical. This is why we do what we do." You know, if you go to I'm an Am- go out and hunt, sure, you're going to stay here and do this, sure. You know, like, I mean, if you go to an Amish family today, they would, they would, they they are living in a very traditional. They have their roles, and they would say, yeah. "This is what the Bible tells us to do." And I would say, maybe to some extent, you're right. You know, Heidi is a stay-at-home mom who has an amazing interior design company that she's built from scratch. She did that mostly because she could do it in her spare time and she mm-hmm. didn't she didn't want to work outside the home. 
does that mean that my wife is the traditional, you know, pastor's wife? No, not even, you know, not even mm-hmm. close. I mean, if anything, I've heard, we've both heard a ton of criticism over the years about how she's not what people expect from a pastor's wife. But that doesn't mean that my wife has done any of that because, you know, she has an interpretation of Ephesians 5 that says this it's, is what you I have need to do. This, to do. An she idealistic just, way, yeah. She looks at her life and she says, I want to do this. You know, if if years ago she would have said, I'm an upcoming executive in a company, Chris. You know, I, I want Chris. I want you to stay home and 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 work from home, or you know, be with the kids. We would have had that conversation. I don't know that it. I don't know what it would have done. And I. And but I'm open to both of us flourishing in the way that we're supposed mm-hmm. to, which is I think what marriage is really supposed to be. So with that said, then we've got this cultural norm, and those norms have been shaken up pretty heavily from the 1960s on, mm-hmm. right? I think we'd all agree on that. Yeah. And when those norms got shaken up a little bit, some of it was really, really good in a lot of really good ways. And and so I'm living in a day and age today where I'm looking at, I have two little girls who are growing up in a world where they don't have a question about whether they could become president. Mm-hmm. They don't have a question about whether they could you know, become a professor or if they wanted to be a CEO of a company, they have no, they have no doubt, you know, if they wanted to be a teacher, go for it. They want to be a homemaker, go for it. Like they have in their mind, they have unlimited options ahead of them. That wasn't the case for women in the 1920s. Yeah. So in some ways we, we, we are moving in a direction that a lot of us can feel fairly good about. At the same time, that doesn't mean that we can't mourn or look back and go, Things seemed simpler back then. It would have been great. No, they weren't. <laughs> you know, like yeah. th- nothing was really ever as simple as everybody makes it out to be. But we can look back at the culture. We can go, I think I liked that more than what we've got today. But in the middle of that, we still have biblical truth saying there's women, significant members of the church early on uh, and significant members of the Old Testament throughout. There's no point where women aren't making some kind of splash in the, in the story. Yet, for some reason the culture of America specifically, and probably the culture of the West mm-hmm. bought into some type of narrative that said what the Bible is saying about women is this versus this. Yeah. I mean that it's, I mean, outdated, you know, like those sorts of sure. words. Um, but yeah, also that, I mean, they focus in too on the Paul, the Paul, the, the few verses where Paul talks to women um, strongly about where they should be, you know, like you talked about being quiet in church or that men are supposed to be, I can't remember the exact verse, but where they're not supposed to teach men basically. Sure. Right. Um, and they kind of focus on those, but then they might forget Paul wrote Romans too. And if that's true with those female names, sure. then, then you kind of have to go, wait a second. He's talking to Romans here. He's talking to the Corinthians here. Like there's, there's something else going on there. He's not contradicting himself, right? So <laughs> there's there's things that you have to think about, but we, especially as women, because we feel like our voices aren't heard or because we've, you know, whatever it might be, and some of that might have actually happened or just something we perceive, um, we, we hone in on those verses and think, then we don't have a place in the church, you know? And that's not not true at all if you look at the entirety of scripture as we talked about. Like if you go from the very beginning, like it was not good for man to be alone. And it's not that God, like it was an afterthought. 
You know, like it's God not that God was like, oh, you're all by yourself, Adam. Let's give you somebody. He woke you know? up on Tuesday and he's like, Adam, why are you so glum? And I'm like, oh, God, I don't have anybody to hang out with. I looked at this animal and this animal and this animal and none of them are suitable. <laughs> um, but I also think that God wanted Adam to come to that conclusion first. Sure. So then he would also realize the importance of Eve rather than Eve just being there, you know? Sure. And so, which is obviously me reading into the text, yep. but I think if he didn't create him until Adam came to that conclusion, you know, or create right. Eve until Adam right. came to that conclusion. So, but also we were the, it, we were it right. As women, that was the last thing created. Um, the pinnacle of creation, if you will. Um, <laughs> but also like they are supposed to be together. It's not just, that Adam went over to this side of the garden and did his thing, and Eve went over to this side of the garden and did this thing. No, they did things together, um, they, good or bad. Right. Right? They were perfectly united and perfectly yes. complementing one another. Yes. and But they are very different, too. They're not the same. Very much so. Which you can see with the fall. They have different, um, mm-hmm. I don't even know what the word would be. Curses yes, or, or yeah, responsibilities, yeah. whichever way They're you want. They're not the same. No. Because we're not the same. Right. And so I think sometimes we think that if I can't do what they're doing, then I must be less. But also like there are different roles that need to be done. Sure. And we are different. We can't all do the same thing. Right. And so that's, I think, what's hard, too, is we look at it as women and go, well, if you're telling me I can't, then that must mean I am less than that person. But maybe you just have a different thing to do. Yeah. You know. Well, and. And that's, that's a big part of this discussion. And we're going to unpack this more in future episodes. Like I think, you know, we both joked about let's have a conversation about women in ministry. And then I shouldn't say we joke. We, we weren't joking. We were saying, let's do this. And then we were both like, do we really want to take How do this we do on? This? Do yeah. we want to tackle this? And then the, I think we came to the conclusion pretty early. We'll do a part one, open the conversation, and then we'll dive into the text a little deeper in, in subsequent episodes. And also get into the actual argument a little bit as to why there's a dividing line here. And part of it is what you just brought up. There are different curses. And part of that means that males and females are not operating the way that they were before the fall across all of culture. And so if, if there's anything in me as a male, when I look at this entire argument or discussion, whatever you want to, whatever fancy word you want to use there, where, men have typically been wrong is they've they've read the curse and they've just charged forward and acted like they're in charge of everything. Mm. And they missed, I think we've missed the mark in that a lot in significant ways. Are we made to do a certain thing? Sure. Are we doing it well? I, I would say there's a lot of areas that we're not doing this well. On the flip side, because the woman, part of her curse is your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. There's an expectation in that verse that's sort of underlying that women are going to want to be in charge. And that alone starts the Mm -hmm. friction Mm -hmm. because we're both wanting to be in charge. And I think then the discussion has to happen as to like, how does this play out? Who wins and who loses, which is the worst possible way to have a conversation. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, if at the end of the day, we both, one of us wins and one of us loses, like, I mourn that. I, you know, I hate, I hate those moments when 
when I'm in an argument with someone and one of us walks away feeling like a loser. I want to find a way not to compromise what I believe, but to find a compromise that we can both live with and feel like we both found a place that, and I think that's more gospel-focused and gospel-centered. And I think that's why Paul unpacks it the way he does when he says it's not just, yeah, that, hey, women, your husband is supposed to be in charge, so, like, do it. He's like, no, you have a role as a male to love your wife, and your wife has a role to submit to you, and... But if you're loving well, she'll want to submit. Right. And if she's submitting well, you'll want to love. You know, like it's a back and forth. Obviously, it's not done great all the time. But no. ideally, that is what it's supposed to do. So so back to the, be- the very beginning, my little tirade or whatever about culture and Bible. Part of how I want to couch this conversation is, our culture is painting a picture of masculinity that in many ways is not biblical. Mm. And where that has worked its way into the church, we should repent and we should move away from it. On the flip side, the, there are aspects of femininity that also have been developed within our culture that are egregious and are missing the mark of what of what God's intending males and females to be. And when those find their ways into the church, we need to repent of those and move away mm-hmm. on both sides of the equation here. So if, you know, if, if you think it's as a male, it's really cool to, you know, fire guns in the air and shoot, you know, spit tobacco and drive a huge truck with big flaps and pollute the, you know, the environment and like, <laughs> you know, you're throwing your beer cans out the window as you're driving down the street and you're like, I'm a man. Like I would suggest you read the Bible, uh, considerably on the flip side. If, if you are desiring power and wanting to push people down and feeling like you've been so subjugated that everybody now owes you mm-hmm. to fix the problem. And if that's what the feminist movement is aiming for, I would then back up and say, let's read the Bible together. And so part of why I'm excited to have this conversation with you is we've had this conversation. Mm -hmm. And I think, at least I hope, and we'll get into this in more detail later on, but at least I hope that I've been someone who's willing to listen and talk this through with you. At the same time, I don't have incredibly strong opinions because the Bible's a little squishier than I'd like it to be. Mm-hmm. Like I, I wish there was a verse that says this is how it's supposed to go. It it doesn't. There's there are some verses that are strong, but as we've just suggested, there mm-hmm. might be more going on, and we'll dig into those later. At the same time, that squishiness in the Bible is intentional, I think, because we're supposed to be creating a better world than what we we were inheriting. Mm-hmm. That may mean that we've done it all wrong. And some of that was informed by culture. Some of that was biblical informing culture and then really destroyed. Mm-hmm. And then eventually that became the culture. And then we needed to push back on that and fix it. I'm, I'm open to any of those discussions at the same time. Some of it is just a lack of biblical awareness whatsoever and a desire not to listen to what God actually is intending. And I have an opinion about this and it's not super strong, but it's strong enough that I have, you know, I have stances that we'll talk about eventually. And, you know, you can throw, you can lob your hand grenades my way. You can get mad at me all you want. 
I've even told you some, sometimes I wish it didn't say this, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like there are, there's parts but of me you, that, but you can't throw that out, but I can't just toss it because I don't like it. I've got to render the whole text and I, then I've got to say, all right, based on all the data I'm seeing here, what does this mean for me? Mm-hmm. And that's where I've landed. And so that's kind of what I'm inviting us into. And that's what, that's why you want to have this conversation, I think at least, and I'll let you speak for yourself in a second, but like I want to have this conversation because I want to try to find some of the nuance and the weirdness of it, but at the same time realize at the end of the day, you have to make a decision that's going to inform your church and it's going to inform the way mm-hmm. you do ministry. But there's a lot of dudes out there that it, it inform their ministry and they their ministries suck. Just to mm-hmm. be really honest, they, they're, they're terrible to women because they've got such a strong opinion about this on one side or the other and it's just it's messed up. So what would you say? Well, yeah, I wanted to have this conversation because, for one, it's something that I've delved into, but also have I have struggled with, and I have had strong opinions one way, and they kind of have been skewed um, by culture, but also my own ego. Um, I mean, as you said, I think, and I said this previously too, a lot of my thoughts on women in ministry previously were, were I wanted status, and sure. I wanted... I wanted that for myself, which is selfish, you know, and that's not kingdom mindedness, you know? So, um, but also I want women to kind of realize that the culture might be influencing your thoughts more than you might've anticipated and that the Bible is where we need to go to, to, um, to filter our culture all the time. So that's kind of why, yeah, I wanted to, to dive into this. So. Cool. And I think it's going to be a great topic. I don't know how many parts we'll do it in. It could be a thousand. We'll it could be a thousand. Who knows? But at this point, we wanted to open the conversation. So mm-hmm. if you've got feedback, you know, we, we, we told you in the beginning how to get a hold of us. We, we would love to hear. We might even throw a question or two, you know, online just to give you access to doing a poll or something. Uh, or if we, you have questions or things you want us to dive into related to this, yeah. Absolutely. Please. Or if you feel like your voice would be valuable to us, you know, reach out. We would love to hear from you. Yes, we would. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Yamcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Remember to check us out on all the socials like Instagram at the Yamcast. We love to hear back from you guys, so please leave us a comment or a review, and we might even send you guys a sticker. Also, if you have any questions that you'd like us to answer here on the podcast, you can email us at yamcastpod at gmail.com. That is yamcastpod at gmail.com.